The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Why do we light this candle? The fifth and final candle reminds us that our waiting is over. That Christ, the Messiah, is born. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made this light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Christmas is a season of light. So you see, friends, Jesus came down so that hope may go out. That believers would spread it. Jesus came down so that joy may be contagious. That it would spread. That his love may be lived out. And so this morning, I'm going to ask you to take a look at why we indeed can call this a season of love. So I'm going to invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn over to the Gospel of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. As you're turning to the Gospel of John, I want to remind you of who John is. John is an eyewitness. He's, as he tells us, he's the one in whom Jesus loved. He wrote John, he wrote first and second and third John, and also the book of Revelation. Can I take a, just a moment of, of teaching here to tell you that it's the book of Revelation? There's one Revelation, it's not the book of Revelations. There's no, it's not plural, it's singular, the book of Revelation. He had a strong belief, listen, in the full deity of Christ. And in his gospel, he hammers home the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. We need to remember, too, that that John was in Jesus' inner circle. Peter, James, and John. Lastly, his language is simple and his vocabulary is small. It's, it's the vocabulary of a seven-year-old. So when we have someone that we're wanting to introduce them to Christ and what we believe in the, in the body of believers, where do we send them? We send them typically where? To the Gospel of John. For many of you, you woke up and, and this Christmas season you read John, uh, Luke chapter 2. Sorry, that doesn't apply. Whatever. I don't know. See, that's what happens when I go off my notes. But Luke's vocabulary is simple. So I invite you to turn to John chapter 3, a very familiar text, but I want you to see it in a different light. I want you to see it in the, in the notion of a season of love and why we can call this a season of love. So look with me, and you'll find these similar words. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Now, Dale, if you will, you kind of see typically in, in past messages, I would have broken this down into different slides. So just hang tight with me. And, and I just want to just show you a few things this morning from John chapter 3. For God so what? God so loved the world. It's a season of love because of who Jesus is. 
That, that God so loved us that he would send his son from heaven to earth to be born in a manger, to be born in a lowly state. He didn't come with pomp and circumstance. It was gritty and it was dirty. But that's where our Savior came. And I want to simply remind you this morning that God, want, God is using people and God will continue to use people who we feel like are not worthy. Even as you look at Mary and Joseph to the world, who were they? But that's what our God does is He uses the people that we don't think that He can use. For God so loved. And so I, I kind of made a heart around the text there this morning that for God so loved the world, what? That He gave. He gave His Son. No, He gave His only Son that whoever believes, and it's believing what? Not in the church, not in the creeds, not in whatever. It's believing in Jesus. It's believing in Him. As you see that arrow pointing, it's the belief in Christ. And when we believe who Christ is and, and what he came to do and the finished work that he did on the cross and emptied the grave, that he defeated death, it is there that we believe in him that will what? Not perish, but will have eternal life. We'll have eternal life. Verse 17, see, we typically want to quote verse 16, but we can't miss the fact of what 17 says. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be what saved through him it's only christ it's the shed blood of christ it is christ and christ alone it is jesus plus nothing equals everything when we start adding things to christ then we're we're ta we're taking away from what the shed blood has accomplished and i'm sorry but in the world that we live in there are things and there are depictions and there are stories and and people want to to pull back and they say that that's messy and and that's too dirty but that's what it is because even as you look back in genesis chapter 3 when adam and eve sinned that what we see we see this beautiful picture in chapter 3 that the lord made cloths for them and so what we see in that moment is that in those cloths being made, something had to die. Something had to atone for their sins. Don't miss that. Even back in the Garden of Eden, there were sacrifices that were made. There were, there were bulls that were, were, were slaughtered, and, and the blood was so that would run down the hill, and it just would stain the mountainside because of what it is. They would make those sacrifices over and over again. But thank God that the precious Lamb of God, God's only Son, came to earth that there might not have to be any of those other sacrifices made again. That He tore the veil. And so now when we have issues in our lives, we don't have to go to the priest. We don't have to go to anybody to intercede for us. But Scripture tells us what? That, the, that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. We can go straight to Him so that we might be saved through him, that we might be saved through Christ. You see, Belize will come back to that in just a moment, but I want you to note this really quick. You know, one, two, three, four, four times in these few verses, it's about a belief. It's about us believing in Christ. And look at verse 19. What a, what a sobering verse. What a great reminder as we head into 2022. And this is the judgment. The light, Jesus, has come into the world, but the people loved 
darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. People don't want to get close to Jesus because they don't want the world to know who they really are. Light exposes what we try to hide. See, Jesus came at Christmas time because he loves you. Listen, if you want to know love, then seek Jesus. If you want to understand love, then study Jesus. If you want others, listen, if you want others to experience true love, then express love like Jesus. Think about it for a minute. God loved you so much that he sent Jesus to earth. Then Jesus loved those that he came in contact with. And we see it throughout Scripture over and over again. We see him talking to women in their day. That was taboo. But he would talk to them and he would meet them where they are. Don't miss that. Jesus models how we're to love. He models how we're to live. He models how we're to meet people where they are. Are you meeting people where they are? And are you pointing them to Jesus? Jesus loves them. He loves you. He loves me so much so that he would die on a tree, on an old rugged cross, which was meant for you and for me. We owe a debt, a sin debt in our lives that we cannot pay. We will forever be in a deficit. But thank God for the cross. You can't have the baby in the manger without looking forward to the cross, without looking forward to the tomb. It's a complete story. What a picture of love. And so I've come this morning to ask you this. What are you going to do with the love you've been shown? What are you going to do with the love you've been shown? Are you going to accept it? And there may very well be someone under the sound of my voice this morning that maybe you've never accepted the fact that Jesus loves you and that he came that you may have a relationship with him. Not of your own merit, not of your own works, but because of who he is and what he has done and the finished work at Calvary. There's some of you here this morning, you have accepted that love, but are you going to share it with others? Listen, God sent his son that you might believe, as we just mentioned, four times in these verses that we're studying, John reminds us of the word believe. (coughs) Years ago, I, I ran across a sign, and it said this. It said, I'm not asking you to believe in Santa. I'm reminding and calling you to believe in Jesus. Christmas is about giving us something to believe in rather it's about giving us someone to believe in when the world lets you down there's jesus something to believe in in may of 2015 i i I preached and shared a message wherever i was and i entitled it something to believe in and during that message i shared this when we believe in something it means that we accept it as true 
we feel sure of that truth, that we have faith, that we feel sure that someone is capable of a particular action, and that someone is Jesus. Now, I also shared a couple of great challenging quotes. I I shared some nuggets of wisdom. No, they didn't come from Chick-fil-A. They came from great men of God who have sought God and and written those things down. And what's funny is, even this morning, is I'm going to mention this next person. They were like, wow, I haven't heard of him. I like my theologians dead because their theology is pretty solid. Amen? It stood the test of time. And one of those such men is Dietrich Bonhoeffer, which went up in the face of evil. And he said it is only because he, Jesus, became like us that we can become like him that that's what christmas time is all about it's only because jesus became like us that we can become like him that's praiseworthy this morning amen what a truth to celebrate a day after the birth of christ the day after celebrating christmas that's something worthy of celebration My main man, Oswald Chambers, he once said this, belief in Jesus is simple, sorry, belief in Jesus is a miracle produced only by the effectiveness of redemption, not by impressive speech, nor by wooing or persuading, but only by the sheer unaided power of God. The creative power of redemption comes through the preaching of the gospel, but never because of the personality of a preacher. In my life and in my ministry, I go back to 1 Corinthians, and Paul says, Woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. That God, He also says that God didn't send me to baptize. He, he didn't send me to speak with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the power of the cross be emptied of its power. It's not about the craftiness of the man who's going to stand behind the pulpit. It's about the unadulterated word of God being shared in truth and toes being stepped on because why? Truth hurts. We we don't like to look in the mirror. Why? Because we see who we really are. And when we look into God's word, we see who we really are. Warts and blemishes and everything and all. It's like looking into a mirror. We see ourselves and we see the things that we need to work on. But praise God that it's not in our strength. It's not in our understanding that we're saved. As we continue to seek him, our prayer should be what? That he makes us more like Christ. And so I ask you this morning, this Christmas, do you look more like Jesus than you did last Christmas? do you look more like jesus today than you did last sunday can i remind you of something else this morning that no matter who fills this pulpit what are the people of god praying for what are they praying for and and the quotes that i just shared with you remind me of this that we should never seek a man of God simply because he is a good speaker, that he's funny, that he's charismatic. No, we should be praying and seeking that the gospel would be proclaimed and that in its power, and only its power, that lives will be forever changed. That the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit will have its way in our services, that we will make much of Jesus and do his will. That should be the prayer of God's people. It's not programs. It's not our craftiness. It's about making much of Jesus. Does he have preeminence 
in all things. If we gather and Jesus isn't the highlight, he isn't the spotlight, we aren't pointing people to him, then we might, we might as well take down the sign that says Bethel Baptist Church and change it to Bethel Community Center because we're no different than anywhere else in the world. But we are because we have the gospel. We have the gospel. And friends, I'm here to tell you this morning that it is still changing lives. Not in our power. Not in our strength. It's in His. I told you about the message, Something to Believe in. And the theme for that message, now some of you, I'm glad y'all don't have, you do have some things at your table that you could throw. Don't throw anything at me. But the theme, listen, just like Paul, he, he took things that were happening around him in society and he spoke truth to what they knew. And so part of the Part of the, that message, the title of that message came from a great 90s song called Something to Believe in by Poison. Now, whoever would have thought that Poison would have been mentioned? I, I just have to plead the fifth. I have a sister who's 10 years older than me, and she corrupted me with all the 80s and 90s music, right? And this was one such song, and it was written by their front man, Brett Michaels. But here's the thing I want you to know. It was written in tragedy. On Christmas Eve, his best friend and his bodyguard, Kimo, was killed. You see, the life that he was living of sex, drugs, and rock and roll, Brett Michaels locked himself in that room in the pain and the suffering, and he penned the words of this song, and he said, Give me something to believe in. And friends, the reason I share with that with you this morning is because the world is screaming, Give me something to believe in. Give me something to believe in. It's not sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It's Jesus Christ. And so we have a message. What are you doing with the love that you've been given? Are you sharing it? Is it going to be hard? Yes. Is it going to be messy? Yes. Are there going to be times where you want to throw your hands up and quit? Yes. But press on in his strength and in his might, not your own. We are all a link in God's master plan. In his master chain, in his master plan, we're all but a link. So friends, you have something to believe in. More importantly, you have someone to believe in. And that someone is named Jesus. And he's offering you eternal life. He's offering you true hope, peace, joy, and love. And so I've come this morning to ask you, have you accepted his gift? If not, why not now? If so, what are you doing with the hope and the love that you've been given? We're to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. We're to love as Christ has loved us. Are you sharing his love? Are you sharing his hope? Are you sharing his peace? Are you sharing his joy? Are you living it out? Can I remind you of something else this morning? That God has a plan for each and every one of you. God has a plan for you. No matter where you're at in this season, no matter what's going on in your life, that God has a plan for you. Even this morning as I talked to, to Mr. John, I, I told him a story about how one time I, I thought I was headed this place and, 
and then I heard a story, and, and now I just can't help but chuckle. But as I chuckle, I look back and I praise God. Thank you, God, for sparing me uh, of that place and of that ministry and calling me to where you've called me. See, there's going to be times in our lives where we want to head, we want to go this way, and, and we got our eyes set on that, but Jesus says, no, I want you to go over here. I want you to go over here. I want you to go over there. You're not going this way. You're going to go where I want you to go. And so that plan that he has for each and every one of you, I want to just give you four kind of pillars that you can kind of hang on, hang, uh, kind of look at this morning. So listen, he's calling us to believe. He's called, what did John say? Over and over again, in just those few verses, it's about believe, believing in Christ, not in of ourselves, not in of the church, but in Christ, in Christ alone. He's calling us to believe. Secondly, he's calling us to be loved. He's calling us to be loved by him and by his followers. Third, he's calling us to belong. He's calling us to belong to the family of God, to a body of believers, to a community of those seeking God, loving and serving others. Christ came to serve, not be served. Hello? Church, we're to model Christ. Jesus came to serve, not be served. The problem with the majority of our churches in the world today is we have too many people sitting back and they've come to church and it's like, how are you going to serve me? I'm here for me. What have you got for me? Jesus came to serve. He came to give. There are people who have served in, in small but beautiful ways. Serving coffee, sweeping the leaves off the sidewalk, getting, the de the, getting this family life center decorated so that we could have a worshipful environment this Christmas season. Thank God for those men and women that did that. Chairs that have to be set up. You know, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes. And so here's the thing. Instead of those same few people doing something, how about you come alongside and you help? You step in and you find something that needs to be done. He's calling us to believe. He's calling us to be loved. He's calling us to belong. And then lastly, he's calling us to become. He, he, we're to become who he intends us to be in a loving community of fellow believers. That is where you become who God has created you to be. So this morning as we think about gifts, as we think about the gift that Jesus has given us, Admit it, most of us don't love the gifts that we get at Christmas time. Now, I heard a couple of y'all chuckle. Now, why? Why is that? Well, let's see, I, I sat down, and that's what I do. I mean, most people, like, watch football, but I just sit down and answer crazy questions sometimes. So why don't we love the gifts that we get at Christmas time? Well, here's, here's why I think we don't. Because let's find the cheapest thing we can. We got a lot of people to buy for. Let's buy the cheapest thing we can. First off, the, secondly, it's not useful, right? We get a gift. It's just like, what am I supposed to do with that? Hey, what about this? Kendall and I talked about this with our parents. Where are we going to get our parents? I said, babe, we, get, we don't need to give them anything else that collects dust. Because they don't dust to begin with, but they don't need anything else to collect dust. Listen. It's the wrong color. It doesn't go with my decor. Listen, can I stop for a second and just tell you, like, see, this is the, um, this is the depravity of man. I'm just, being, I'm just being very honest and transparent. 
So like one Christmas, talk about like the worst. I'd love to know what y'all's answer is. What's the worst gift you've ever gotten? Don't yell it out now, but maybe later like text me or see me before you leave. What's the worst gift you've ever gotten? You want to know one of mine? I got three wooden hangers. And my cousin got a ball cap. Three wooden hangers and a ball cap. I think my aunt just went through the house and was like, we need something for Christopher. Oh, okay, that's, here's three hangers. He could use those. I don't know. Okay, whatever. All right, so I've digressed. Back to my notes. <clears throat> so think about those gifts that we don't like. We either exchange or return them. And honestly, we might even re-gift it. Now, don't y'all laugh. I know y'all have done that, too. Like, I thought I gave you that. Well, you, you did. I'm giving it back. <laughs> hey, listen, as we shared last week from Alabama's song, Joseph and Mary's Boy, it's the, it's the gift is just what's in your heart, and it's not what's in your hand. That, that's what Christmas is all about. It's not what's in your hand. It's about what's in your heart. And so this Christmas, as you reflect back, and some of you still have some family gatherings to be a part of, I hope that you'll step back and that you'll enjoy the little things. Because I know I have. Why? Because they involve love. Cards. We mentioned that this morning in their announcements. People who mail those. That, a stamp is not cheap. So it took time. It took a stamp. It took their energy. They sent cards. Other people made cakes and candies. They were made with love, neighbors and friends. Our next-door neighbor, she's out of town, but she made these awesome chocolate chip cookies, and I can't wait for her to come back so we can get the recipe. They didn't stand a chance at our house. They were all gone. Hey, gift cards, it's the perfect size, right? There's no returns. But I want to remind you this morning, just as we kind of close out, how do we show somebody we love them? We spend time with them. So your quiet time, your devotional time, your time that you spend with Jesus, that's just showing them that you love them. That you want them to be a part of your life. You want them to guide you. Something I read this week, listen. At Christmas time, we celebrate Christ's birth. And we're reminded of God's greatest gift. His love, which was so strong and deep that he pursued all people by becoming one of us to rescue us from our brokenness and offer us hope in person. Nothing we can do as leaders or as humans can happen without this God among us reality. Emmanuel, God with us. What a God. Friends, if we know who we are in Christ, we will do what he says. And we'll love one another as he has loved us. If we did that, if we were to do what he says and we were to love one another as he's loved us, would our church look different? Would Sumter look different if we loved like Jesus? There's like a hundred plus of y'all in here this morning. If just a handful of y'all would go and do what Scripture tells us to do and to love and to reflect Jesus in your circle and in your family, in your cubicle, in your line in the grocery store, while you're stopped at the red light, 
while you're interacting with this pe- people this week, you might just make a difference in somebody's life. As we think about love, as we think about loving like Christians, I think of a quote that I read from a guy named Kerry Newhoff. He's a pastor in Ontario, Canada. He's an author, he's a speaker, he's a podcaster, he's a thoughtful leader. He, he, is, he has so challenged me. Listen to what he said. Christian maturity is not marked by how much you know, it's marked by how much you love. A litmus test of Bethel Baptist Church, of whether or not we have mature believers in Christ, It's not how much you know, it's how much you love. It's how much you forgive. It's about being patient. So I ask you this morning, are you loving well? I ran across something I wrote as I closed this morning in December of 2010. I wrote these words. Christmas is a time of celebrating Christ's birth which without that would have left the plan of salvation void and therefore mean that we'd be living hopelessly in this old world without the promise of eternal life and all that God has planned for us here and up there. This time of year is also about family, about giving, about blessing others. Aren't you thankful that God had a plan? He he didn't leave us hopeless. He, He wanted us to be hopeful. He wanted us to have joy and peace that surpasses all understanding. He wanted us to experience and express His love, the love of God which is found only in believing in His Son, Jesus. Jesus came at Christmas time so that you and I would know what true love really means. Just to remind you again this morning as we think about what is he calling us to do. He's calling us to believe, to be loved, to belong, and to become. He's inviting us into his story, into a grander story, a life-changing story. Listen, Christmas is about hope and joy and peace. Don't look on from afar, but encounter that true joy, hope, and peace that only Jesus can give. What are you doing with the love you've been shown? Have you accepted it? If you haven't, let's talk. It's simple. If you have accepted it, what are you doing with the love you've been shown? How are you showing others? And how are you reflecting Christ as you go through your days? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much. Lord, this Christmas season, as we read through the scriptures, as we lit candles, Lord, to just remind ourselves that you came for a purpose and that you came for a reason. So, Lord, I pray this morning that we would realize that the greatest thing that ever came at Christmas was your son, Jesus It's a beautiful picture of how much you love us and how much you want to be a part of our lives. Here and now, some 2,000 years later, you're still wooing us, you're still challenging us, you're still inviting us to connect 
with your grander plan, to connect with the plan that you have for our lives, for our families. And so, Father, I pray this morning that you would help us to connect the dots, that you would help us to step over the fear and the unknown, to trust you, to to experience your love, and to be reminded that we're called to believe, to be loved by you, to belong and to become who you have called us to be. So, Father, I pray as we leave this place this morning that we would take the truths of your word, that we would take the truths that you came and you came because you loved us and you desired that relationship with us. Lord, help us to step into that reality. Help us to to have that relationship with you each and every day. To seek you first, foremost. Father, we thank you for the love that we were shown. Father, help us to reflect it in our lives and in our conversations that we may point others to the hope, the joy, the peace, the comfort that we enjoy, that we may be vessels of hope and encouragement to spread that in the lives that you place in our path. Father, we ask all this in the mighty and precious name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.